um, panelists on the line, so that's great if everybody can hear. Um, I think we'll get started and people may join as attendees as we go along. Um, this is being recorded, so just so everybody's aware. Uh, a few housekeeping pieces, but as we get started, um, I'm Megan and I also, similar to Rochelle, work with AMP, but I'm um, a, a government employee with education, so I'm basically the counterpart for Rochelle in education. So we work together with Andy on the PCT for the provincial coordination team to kind of pull everything together. And I work a lot on the mentoring and schools pieces. So, um, just a few things. We know that there's a chat box. Um, if you have questions as we're going through, please do add them into the chat box and people um, Andy just said hello in there. Uh, it does send questions to both um, to all of us here who are, are kind of monitoring it and then we'll get the, to them as we go along or at the end. Um, we do ask people to mute themselves. Aside from the, the panelist members, we do ask everybody else to mute themselves until the end. Uh, you can always ask to be unmuted if you have a burning question that we need to answer. Um, and then yeah, I guess we'll get started. Last week we talked about uh, the communication and messaging that that organizations and agencies were using and throughout that uh, we started to talk about pieces around what agencies were doing and that was our next topic so it's timely that we're moving into that right away. Uh, I want to introduce our guests and thank them for attending and being willing to speak a little bit as we go through all of this. We have Carrie Woodland from the Edmonton uh, area, Jen Visser from Lethbridge, Jillian Dowding from Calgary, and Vanessa McNevin from Wood Buffalo, and I'll let them give themselves a little bit of introduction, uh, and then I'll get started kind of with our first question. So uh, I'll start with Carrie, if you want to just tell everybody kind of who you are and what your role is. Sure, thanks Megan. I'm Carrie Woodland, I'm the Director of Service Delivery here at uh, the Edmonton Boys and Girls Clubs Big Brothers Big Sisters. Great. Thanks. Jillian? Uh, Jillian Dowding, Director of Service Delivery, uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Calgary and area. Pretty new, still feel pretty new. I started in July of last year, so um, in a short time, we've seen a lot of change. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jen? Um, I'm Jen Visser. I'm the Executive Director for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Lethbridge and District. Awesome. Thanks, Jen. And Vanessa? I am Vanessa with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Wood Buffalo and I'm the executive director. Great. Thank you. So just to remind people that our topic today is that we are talking about supporting existing programs. So exploring how organizations are maintaining support for existing children and youth currently involved in their programs, including group and one-to-one -one mentoring. So obviously things have shifted. Uh, from a more traditional face-to-face -face meeting, both group and individual. So I'm going to ask each panelist, and this is the format for anybody joining us who wasn't with us last week. I'm going to ask the, the panelists uh, a question, and each will have uh, a minute or two to answer, and then we'll move on through that. I am going to kind of switch it up so it's not always the same people in the same order, but I will give everybody a chance to address each of the questions. And if you have those people in the audience or attendees, have a question that we haven't addressed yet, please do type it into the question box. And if we haven't got to it by the end, or if you need more clarity or detail, we'll try and address it then. So um, starting 
let's start with Jillian this time. Can you highlight some of the ways that mentors and mentees have been connecting to continue the, the mentoring relationship? How are things the same? How are they different? What's been going on? Sure. Um, well, I guess I would say uh, everything is different. Mandate <laughs> yeah. um, in uh, with Big Brothers Big Sisters is um, face to face and put down your device. And now we're asking everybody to pick up their device again. So, mm -hmm. um, I think in our experience, what we're finding is that for newer matches, um, it's definitely more challenging to maintain and to to develop and grow a relationship virtually. And more of those earlier matches seem to be losing some momentum. Um, the longer standing matches though, I think are adapting fairly well, uh, which is great. And our focus has been, uh, since this all came down in mid-March, is to really support the existing matches. Um, now starting to shift to making some new matches where there is an interest and desire to do so virtually. Um, we found that um, even with appropriate technology, many families and, and um, littles uh, are hesitant or not interested in, in this kind of video chatting. And, and that has been, for the younger ones, I think it's a focus issue for, but interestingly too, for some of the older ones, hesitant to, um, to connect with their mentor. Um, and it's taken some coaxing and some time. So I think as, as this has been uh, settling in, um, that's getting a little bit easier. Um, so, you know, our, as I said, we're, our match support has been focused on existing matches. Uh, mm -hmm. We're increasing calls that we're making um, in, in match support, uh, extensive resource list. I'm sure we'll hear the same from everybody um, around resourcing and connecting to basic needs and uh, financial services, mental health activities and things to do and that kind of thing. Um, so there's some, you know, I know there's some future questions about specifics, so maybe I'll just um, uh, leave it there for now. Great. Thanks, Jillian. Carrie, what about your, you and your organization? What are some of the, the highlights of ways that you've been able to connect or continue the relationship? Yeah, we've seen a lot of positives from our community-based matches in terms of understanding where we're at and connecting virtually. Um, we've seen some of our school-based matches move over, again, a smaller portion of those, but um, any existing adult um, mentee matches have been, we've had some that have been able to continue over, which has been nice. We've also started um, working on some group mentoring um, platforms, um, mostly within Google Classroom um, here in Edmonton. That's what's supported by our school boards. And so that's the platform we're using to begin some group virtual programming. Great. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Jen? Yeah, I would echo the, the same. You know, we the, it's funny that, you know, we're, we've always been, this is face-to-face, -face, you need to have this interaction you know, stay away from social media, stay away from those platforms. And it's like we had to flip a switch and say, oh, okay, this is okay now. And trying to develop a, a system or a way in which our matches can interact with each other that's still safe, that we kind of vet as well. So I know that we've uh, talked a lot to our matches about how they're interacting and, and what platforms they're using to ensure that they're, you know, they're things that we would say, okay, yeah, that, that's a safe place to go and interact um, you know we do not or encourage our matches to interact with each other on uh, platforms like Facebook just because we just feel that there's some some safety things behind that 
um, but it's, it was again, younger kids is a challenge. Like it's like any six or seven year old, you get behind a FaceTime call. They kind of just stare at the screen and don't really know how, how to do that. But after a few weeks, we, we were able to really get that, um, you know, that interaction. Well, um, we are making matches. We've made about five community-based matches already. And uh, it's been very positive, very engaging. I think parents even feel a little bit more secure behind that match because the kids are interacting virtually with their mentor and the parents are still there. Uh, we've also adapted into group-based mentoring as well for programs like Go Girls. And uh, it's been very well received. We use different networks, though, too. So it depends on we have a couple different school districts here. So in some cases, we are using Google Classroom, other places, Zoom, other places, Teams. It, it really just depends on what the school is using. Right. OK, thank you. And Vanessa. Yes, we're doing very much the same in Will Buffalo. Um, a lot of our one-to-one -one matches um, have moved virtually. Um, we don't have a big, we're dominant group programming at our agency um, versus one-to-one. -one. So we're able to provide that additional support to our mentors during this time to allow them to have that conversation on how they can build that relationship virtually with their littles. Um, like Jillian mentioned, the newer um, matches do struggle a little bit with this, um, but we're working through those challenges as they come. When it comes to group mentoring, um, we've had great success with our Game On and Go Girls virtually, and we also do full circle mentoring, which is an Indigenous mentoring program. We've, um, it's made in Wood Buffalo, so we were able to evolve and adapt that to a lot uh, to do virtually mentoring as well. Um, so we've had great engagement there, but I'll answer a little bit more as the other questions go on. Great. Thanks, Vanessa. And I'm going to start with you because you're on the line. Um, mm -hmm. When we think about some of those supports that we're talking about that you've offered or, or put in place um, to both mentors and mentees, as well as their families, and I know you spoke a little bit about this um, last week, and this is kind of combining a little bit with one of our other questions about um, the supports and community organizations. I know we talked, um, a couple of you talked already about just kind of looking at those basic supports that, that families might be needing. So what are some of those things that you've, you've been working on? Um, well, we've been really working like, uh, we experienced some flooding, obviously not to about mm -hmm. two, three weeks ago. So kind of our uh, mission that we we're moving forward with turned into being like um, emergency, like how's everybody doing? Does people have access to food services? Um, just really wellness check-ins. Mm -hmm. um, and then we kind of did a check-in with the youth to see how they're feeling as well and what additional supports we may be able to provide or connect them with in the community. Um, it's hard for us to also connect to other organizations within our community because some of them have been flooded, like the Food Bank or um, Canadian Mental Health or, or whatnot. So we're just kind of trying to be um, open to providing anything we can and letting them know that they can reach out to us and that we can be a connector to whoever they may need in the community. Plus, we've been doing a lot of wellness um, positive mental health things with on our social media encouraging mm -hmm. um, a lot of our participants to go do the challenge every Monday and every week to participate um, and uh, try to just stay connected that way when everything kind of disrupted after COVID and then was really catastrophic after the floods so we're kind of right. just taking each day by day with that. That makes sense. Thanks Vanessa. No Carrie, problem. how about you folks? Sure. Um, we too have been doing some wellness checks and calls with all of our families to see what their needs were. Uh, food security has been a dominant one over the last six, eight weeks. And so working closely with our food bank here, um, we've done lots of hamper deliveries to families and, and now connecting them um, for more longer term with the food bank. Um, we've supported families with helping to complete some of the forms online. 
Um, in terms of technology, we definitely have supported families with connecting. Um, our school boards are responsible for ensuring all of the um, students had access to a computer and so kind of being that bridge there as well. Um, and lastly, uh, my two other areas of support have been around activity kits. So we've had a lot of families um, looking for activities and things to keep kids busy. And so we've been um, purchasing some, some very simple and putting together activity kits and delivering those to homes. As well, right now, what we're also finding is some um, homework support. And so we're linking up with either staff or volunteers that have the skill set to in, um, support um, the youth on some homework support right now. Great. Thanks, Carrie. Jillian? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, very similar um, in Calgary. Um, wellness checks in um, try, just trying to determine need. Uh, we've provided some care packages that are a little bit different from activity kits, which we've also done, but more on on you know hygiene products and 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 food if if required and that kind of thing. We've reached out to all of our uh, between generation mentors, so our older mentors who we know are are even more mm -hmm. isolated these days, and and made some you know. Uh, uh, made sure to go and knock on each of their doors um, and then step back six feet <laughs> so that we could at least make a connection with them. Um, we uh, built a page on and put out on social media requesting donations in support of activity kits. So just as a way for people to give kind of a one-off $25 to purchase an activity kit that we could then um, distribute to Littles and their families and maybe to participate with their uh, with their mentor. Um, mm -hmm. Technology is a big one and I know we've got, uh, I can maybe go into a little bit more about that. I think we've got a question coming up about technology, but determining the need there for sure. Um, and uh, we're actually in the process of working on a bit more of an extensive um, mental health support initiative that, you know, the, the thinking that the mental health impacts of this are, are not to mention our, our littles and families are vulnerable to begin with, but that the effects of this situation are going to be uh, fairly far reaching. So looking at some different ways in an uh, ongoing capacity to increase our mental health supports. Um, yeah, so I'll leave Great. it there. Okay, thanks Jillian. Jen? Yeah, we, we have found that uh, we've been extremely collaborative uh, within the city that uh, our, our city has kind of instituted this on Slack, working together. And so there's a few different pods that we're part of. Like, so one is a parenting one that we work closely, that instead of everybody kind of doing their own thing, we've all worked together to say, okay, you know what, let's develop a postcard and we'll go through the schools and this will be mailed out to every student. So we did one that said like, you know, parenting is hard. These are all the things that are available right now. So there was stuff with Boys and Girls Club and Lethbridge Family Services for counseling. And then we've done other ones for, for younger children program um, programming. Um, and it, it's been really well because what we found is that originally everybody was kind of hunkered down and doing, oh, I'm gonna do wellness checks, I'm gonna do this. And, and some of these families were just inundated with all of these organizations reaching out to them that it was too much. So mm -hmm. then we kind of pulled it back and said, okay, how can we all work together? And then that meant that our, our reach could be further into more homes and, and more children. Great. 
Thanks, Jen. Um, I'm going to have you start off with, with kind of our next one, kind of combining a little bit of, again, some of our questions is thinking about those communities as well as what you've been hearing from parents and children about being overwhelmed or that hesitancy. And even uh, you, a couple of you mentioned the technology pieces. How have you and worked together with communities and what role has the school played in work health or technology or even those connections to parents and children? Yeah, I, you know, I, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead, Jen. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, you know, originally we really felt that there was going to be a, a miss on, uh, you know, lots of families living in poverty, not having access in, in our community. That was a real worry. Um, so that that was the first step is everybody getting access to that technology. Um, I think the schools did a really great job in, you know, bringing everything that they had and, and getting, you know, something into homes. Um, mm -hmm. And what we're really finding, though, is that younger kids there seems to be a lot of different activities and things for them to do that's fun that's playful and mm -hmm. and teenagers have access to their friends they have that network but that that kid that's in between the ages of like 10 to 13 is a real challenge because maybe they don't have a smartphone they don't have that access so they what uh, independence they had they've lost Right. And so we're, we're seeing a really high need for kids in that age range to develop something or do something for them that they have interaction with peers or with a mentor um, through some sort of uh, different technology um, that they have at home. Great. Okay. Thanks. Um, Jen, just so, um, just to kind of follow up and um, Vanessa, you might also have a little bit more on this is around technology access, but also sometimes even just Wi-Fi access. Has that been something that mm -hmm. has been an issue? Um, so Jen, if you want to talk a little bit about that, if you've got anything and then I'll have Vanessa, it'll be your turn next. Not so much in Lethbridge we haven't seen, but we do serve quite a few rural communities and we're, we're mm -hmm. really seeing a lot of families who are maybe living on an acreage or on a farm and, and they don't have that access. So that mm -hmm. has been a real challenge is how do you then support that family if they don't have internet access? And there's, for them to get it, they've got to go into town and they're afraid to go into town. So it's, yeah. it's more phone-based than anything. Okay, thank you. All right, Vanessa? Yeah, um, I'll add on that. We haven't had a lot of uh, Wi-Fi issues that have been brought to my attention from my team um, yet. We only had one particular family that struggled with finding access to technology because like the Fort Murray Catholic Public and Northland School District did a phenomenal job making sure that that most kids that didn't have access to um, an iPad or or, or uh, a laptop uh, received one. So we actually haven't faced very many barriers there. Um, the big thing um, I can kind of add to Jen's point when she said that she finds that there's a lacking of certain like between 10 to 13. We actually see that because when we launch our Go Girls programs, that's we're ranging at about that age, they've been filling up within 48 hours. So right. there's definitely like a need in that age range that people mm -hmm. have been saying, like parents have been saying, yes, my daughter needs something and things that we've been in having enrollments, not so much for boys. We've been struggling with boys for sure. 
but girl programs have been filling up very, very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, for technology hasn't been really an issue. Feedback is, is parents are just looking for um, some form of engagement. A lot of the kids are feeling very isolated, especially when the weather wasn't great. But now mm -hmm. that the weather's getting a bit better, they're a little bit more outside and engaging with other people um, by distance, but at least being more active. So that's been helping with the with youth. Awesome. Thanks, Vanessa. Carrie? Yeah, I think on the internet piece, um, we've definitely had some families um, here in Edmonton that haven't had internet access. Yeah. Um, we've worked um, closely with TELUS, who has helped support the $9.99 a month um, mm -hmm. and plans for families. So that's been very helpful, um, as well as the Shaw and the Shaw Go Wi-Fi if it's in the, in the neighborhood. So I think um, informing families that this exists and here's how you can sign up for it has been helpful. We've had to do that a number of times. Right. We've worked closely with schools. Um, I think they're quite appreciative of any assistance um, that we can do. So um, our role with schools has been very positive to date. I think we're still trying to find our balance and our way together in terms of how to be as helpful as possible. Mm -hmm. um, working with other community organizations, I think that is key in all of this and, and ensuring that we're communicating. So there's lots of different community groups gathering to have conversations and, and share ideas of what is happening and try to manage that coordination. I think that's mm -hmm. the one piece we've learned in, in this in our community is the conversations need to happen around the coordination because we're all trying to help. And as we, um, I think it was uh, Jen who said it, we don't want to step on each other's toes because there's mm -hmm. enough work and there's enough families, but we need to ensure the coordination is there. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Jillian? Um, yeah, the, the technology, um, at first when we, uh, reached out to determine the need, um, with our families, we didn't get much uptake, but as this kind of wore on a little bit, it became clear, I think, as people realized that this wasn't going to be a short term mm -hmm. um, situation that we started to hear a little bit more about about the need. We've been really fortunate. We um, entered into a partnership with Rogers who provided us with 100 Samsung devices, new ones uh, that we were able to distribute with free data plans to um, families and littles in need and also mm -hmm. with any technologies for laptops, which we're still in the process of um, distributing right now. So that's been really great. Um, I think that the access is the issue though. The device is one thing, um, but mm -hmm. having access. So we're continuing to work with, uh, in this case, Rogers for sure, to hopefully you know, um, ensure that that access continues. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's, yeah, that's, uh, the, the device is just one part of it. Um, and on the role of like working with other community organizations, um, we are, I'm really finding actually some opportunities, which I'm sure many of you are aware of the new Family Resource Network um, uh, set up through Children's Services and um, that has so uh, disrupted and, and um, but in some good ways actually, like created some really interesting opportunities, I think for the sector in terms of partnering. And um, that I think has been, a, a, it's been, we're connected to seven hubs in Calgary and um, just outside of Calgary in Rocky View County around Airdrie. And uh, I think there's, we're, we're finding some, some, you know, we were forced into these, into this setup, but there's some really great, interesting connections happening there. I think in terms of being able to maybe reach 
uh, families and pot potential mentors in areas that we um, have struggled to before through working with these partners. So that's been that's been kind of an exciting evolution, sort of off to the side in some ways, but um, I think uh, the timing of the rollout of these family resource networks has been interesting mm -hmm. um, to begin with. So yeah. yeah. Great, thank you. Um, I know many of you have already talked about challenges you've experienced in maintaining relationships. Is there anything else that uh, anybody wanted to add? I know that was a question we had, but we, you've done a great job of addressing that so far. Um, is there any additional ones if you do just, just say hello? Uh, otherwise, I'm going to move on to a different question because I, I think we've covered the challenges piece mostly. All right. So thinking about as we as we all know, Alberta is looking at its relaunch strategy uh, and it started as of last week. Have you had any plans or discussions that your agency has made around existing matches, like when or how face to face meetings might begin again? Has that been something people have been asking about, whether it's parents or mentees or mentors? Uh, Jillian, we'll start with you. Uh, since day one, some have been asking, <laughs> um, and uh, we've just, you know, we've had to be pretty clear uh, that all in-person has been suspended. So, I mean, as everybody knows, Calgary is kind of ground zero for in Alberta, um, and the the relaunch has been pushed back here, even mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so we've absolutely been talking about it and what it might look like and which pieces maybe we'll look to retain virtually how do we how do we um reintroduce some components with the expectation that we may be back into some kind of a uh lockdown situation in future months as this mm -hmm. how do we do how do we go back in with less disruption if we have to then you know shift back into virtual so we're having a lot of those conversations um Again, Calgary's phase one isn't until yes. May 25th, so right. yeah. um, it's it's we're that much further back. I'd be really interested to hear from the other from mm -hmm. um, my colleagues in areas where the opening has started and what that feels like and and what yeah. you know are there some differences? It's only been I think five days, but mm -hmm. um, so we're not expecting face to face still for quite a while. This is something right. that really yeah. helps me is you can't be in a you even when it even when it's face to face the mm -hmm. the you be in a car together yeah. you know community programs the mentor coming and picking up they're little like that kind of thing i i'm not sure when i see that sort of thing happening and then we're relying a lot on families to get kids to different places and which isn't right. you know those are just certain things as we look to reopening where i think we're going to see some we're going to we see some roadblocks um yes. sure. uh, it's going to be a challenge but yeah. um yeah so lots of conversation no decisions mm -hmm. uh, and you know we're uh, I, but again i'm interested to hear from my colleagues who have who have reopened a little bit uh quicker mm -hmm. than we have jen how about you has lethbridge i know different parts of the south have have differing impacts brooks being also further behind uh with the relaunch so how are things going down in in the lethbridge area yeah, you know, Lethbridge doesn't have many cases, but I mean, it's the same thing that 
just because they don't doesn't mean just because they're not yes. on paper doesn't mean they don't have and I think that everybody looks at it yes. differently it's like this pendulum of feeling like you're constantly overreacting and underreacting right yes and in in the call last week too talking about the relaunch strategy as excited as we are about it we haven't made any decisions until we kind of play things through and see how these next two weeks look yeah. And then maybe make a decision. Our our first um, that we have talked about that we will say you can do is that we're going to tell our mentors that they're allowed to drive to their little's houses and they can go for a walk. So that there's no cars, there's no, you know, we're not asking parents to, to take the kids anywhere, but that would be the first thing that we would allow. But we're just going to wait and see for and, and then make that decision. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Vanessa. We're in the same, the exact same as uh, Jen mentioned, like we haven't made any decisions yet about what we're moving forward. We don't have very many cases here, but we're also very hesitant because a lot of the restrictions are lifted around our flood time for recovery. Mm -hmm. We don't want to see a spike in cases in our community around that. So we're just taking every step at a time. We're really focusing on really strengthening our virtual mentoring because again, next year in the school year, we don't know what that looks like. Um, so we're just kind of working through those um, times as they come. We do have one match that have met in person, um, like they just drove to their little's house um, and then went for a walk. That is because the mom is a single mom and she works she's essential service and the match made that decision under specific circumstances with us. Um, right. So they're still practicing social distancing, but that was mm -hmm. like a really big need at the time. So we made the decision that that is okay. Um, mm -hmm. But we do regular check-ins with them on what they're doing, making sure it's all following restrictions. And um, yeah, so we're, we're taking one step at a time. We haven't made any decisions. I think in the next month, we'll have a better, clearer direction on what that'll look like moving forward. Great. Thank you. Carrie? Sure. Um, us too. We're probably in the same boat on the community-based um, team. Um, we're just right now creating our relaunch strategy. And so just as everyone has articulated, we're going to begin a document that's going to outline all of these activities. And we haven't put dates to them yet. Um, we're anticipating that we should be able to start some of this um, potentially on phase two. Um, so just as the others have said, we will have um, the comments around, um, you know, if you're just visiting at the child's home and maintaining social distancing, um, if you are in a vehicle, one in the front, the other in the back, and just as we're seeing in some of the examples now that are coming out. So we're going to list all of these components and then, um, then eventually assign dates to when that would be allowed, for example. Um, mm -hmm know that of course we'll have to have the guidelines around illness and if anybody is um, exhibiting symptoms mm -hmm. we with the relaunch that began last thursday within our agency we were able to start our child binding mm -hmm. um, so we are dipping our toes into welcoming families into um, three of our buildings right now and um, and so it's been a good practice for us to have staff interacting with kids first off and mm -hmm. under the really um, details that we need to pay attention to um, right now, we're only dealing with one family at a time coming into the site um, so that we don't have to worry about social distancing amongst kids, um, mm -hmm. working with just one cohort. Um, but it is definitely giving us examples of how to build our relaunch strategy for community-based as well. Great. Thanks, Carrie. Um, I'm going to move into kind of our last question, but I've, I've kind of got a some a, a question for, for you folks and the people on the line. And yeah. 
please please note your answer in the chat box if you can and i'll get our, our i'll get our panelists to also answer i'm getting lots of information about things that are, are possibly needing to come up or roadblocks to opening and strategies to opening and maybe after our two next town halls uh, a reopening strategy might be another town hall if that's what people are, are thinking they might need so let me know your feedback on that but also um and i think it was mentioned before is how do you see what's been happening changing business like what are you thinking about continuing going forward around building and strengthening your virtual mentoring strengthening those those virtual relationships you know what are you going to carry forward now that we've had a an opportunity or almost a forced opportunity to to try some of these e-mentoring and and virtual mentoring out uh so carrie i'll start with you sure um we definitely see that we this is the time to be innovative um that we have to pause and pivot um, we are very much paying attention to our school-based work for September and what may or may not be allowed. And we recognize there could be a provincial strategy and then a local strategy as well by school boards. Um, we're paying close attention to virtual mentoring. Um, we definitely see that standing um, outside of this. So um, we've had volunteers also expressed interest in staying connected virtually. So we can see that um, as a standalone program as we move forward in terms of virtual mentoring. We are also starting right now um, using staff as mentors. And mm -hmm. so we are matching some of our higher needs kids right now with the staff. Um, again, today that's virtually. Um, we have not made any decisions about um, how we're going to move forward with that, um, whether that will have an in-person component down the road or whether that'll maintain virtually, but we'd like to see that also continue for us as an agency. And mm -hmm. we're interested in the new e-mentoring platform that the Canadian Mentoring Partnership has um, released. We mm -hmm. had some conversations internally last week about how that might potentially um, be a really nice fit for our team mentoring program. Um, recognize that engaging um, our high school um, students as leaders um, is important and that may not be able to happen in person for the next 12 months and so how do we engage them in mentoring younger people and so we're really going to explore that new platform coming through with Canadian Mentoring Partnership. That's a great segue before I move on to the next panelist. Andy, can you add the the link that Rochelle and I that Rochelle shared earlier this morning around that specific e-mentoring um, that is certainly something um, that I've been talking with with my mentoring in schools subcommittee so we are certainly and as we look at possible credits that kids can be earning in high schools um, so Wonderful. we're looking at how that can can kind of work together so I'd love to to talk more about that perhaps on another different call sometime but as a mentoring in schools person I, I'm that's a huge interest of mine um, and I think Andy added the uh, the link there around the mentoring, the e-mentoring from the CMP. Uh, Vanessa, how about you folks around moving forward with like, what are you keeping? What are you learning kind of thing? I think um, virtual mentoring is, um, or e-mentoring is a very exciting thing for especially our region because we're so large. And you have mm -hmm. to think about the transient nature of our community members who come and yeah. go for work and travel. So that has been a lot of barriers for potential volunteers who mm -hmm. may not have the time because they work, let's say two weeks in our community, they may be going back to Calgary, they may be going back out to the Atlantic. 
So this might yeah. be an opportunity for them to continually be engaged with their mentee if we continue the virtual. So we're really like my team is really trying to strengthen that now, work through like the kinks and learn from this experience, much like if this is going to be for the next 12 months or the next two years, we don't know what it looks like, but let's learn from this experience um, mm -hmm. um, and kind of build on that. So we definitely think that virtual mentoring may be appealing to continue definitely in our region because it's one, it's so large. Um, and mm -hmm. we'll be able to serve some of the rural kids um, that may not potentially be able to have access to mentors. Great. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you. Jen? Yeah, I would echo, you know, what Vanessa and Carrie said that we just, you know, you, you don't know to, right? Like, so you kind of have to have a strategy of when school comes back to say, okay, if it's like this, we're going to mentor like this. If it's like this, we can mentor like that. Um, but I, with, with, uh, virtual mentoring for us, it, it's been a big positive and, and been, been mm -hmm. able to uh, engage kids that maybe we wouldn't have been able to on a face-to-face. -face. And, you know, every kid is different and fits different programs. So I think like an mm -hmm. e mentoring can can fit a kid that maybe it wouldn't in a face-to-face in a -face community-based match. Um, and also, mm -hmm. like Vanessa said too, like we have a really big area that we're ne we've never been yep. able to really cover well. Um, you know, we'll have little blippets of one match maybe in Claire's home and one match in Tabor, and we'd really like to be serving those communities more, but haven't been able to just, you know, financially or mm -hmm. um, just geographically area of, of finding a mentor so this could support a lot of kids and I, I'm really excited about that piece um, mm -hmm. but I think you try to have a balance of um, what our vision and what our mission is and and how do mm -hmm. we serve these kids uh, the best and it you know what is what is the best program for them so it has potential but I think we have to be really cautious as to what choices you make agreed thanks Jillian? I don't really have anything to add to what everybody else said. I, I was nodding along with Carrie. I think pretty much every every um, bullet on the list, the you know, looking at retaining some of the virtual components, the, the digital platform, we're also connected to that through CMP and are excited to kind of see where uh, where that goes. Lots of uncertainty and different strategies um, around schools returning in September and what that looks like. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, after a conversation with Carrie a few a few weeks ago, we've started discussing here as well about how potentially utilizing staff as mentors. So thank you, Carrie, for that idea, and also integrating some staff into other core areas. And this is primarily for us, our in-school mentoring staff, who are in a bit of flux right now. Um, mm -hmm. Integrating them into some more recruitment and family engagement, and and some more uh, work in different areas there. So. Yeah, I echo what everybody else is saying. I think it's I think it's created some opportunities for sure, um, mm -hmm. and uh, but also a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that wraps up our our official or more formalized part of this. Um, I'm going to go through each of the panelists, ask them if there's anything that I missed or anything that they wanted to add, and then I'm going to see if there's any questions from our attendees. Uh, Jillian, anything else you wanted to add that we missed, that I missed asking about, or that you feel is is worth highlighting right now around this, this topic? 
Um, no, I mean, I think we covered it. You know, I'm I'm not surprised that everybody's sort of experiencing similar challenges, and and mm -hmm. even got you know two urban centers and and uh, well three urban centers and and then one larger area here. Um, you know, I, I think I think the work has been challenged the same opportunities maybe look different um, for different organizations. But um, I think we, I'm just sort of scrolling through here, and I think we, uh, I think, I think we covered a lot of um, mm -hmm. information there. So I don't really have anything to add at this point. Thanks. Carrie? The only one other piece I'd, I um, had forgotten to talk about was that we really see that we could have an avenue around virtual tutoring. Um, in the fall as well, um, depending on what schools look like, and we recognize there could be hybrids of schools that are going to exist. And so we have a large um, post-secondary population as volunteers um, who would make great tutors for kids um, online. And so we can see ourselves potentially playing a role, uh, a role with tutoring um, with some of our older kids and even just reading, mentoring reading buddies um, in terms of kids having someone to read with online. Um, we're hearing that a little bit coming out of family. So that's another area we're thinking about that I would add. Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Jen? No, I, I don't think there's anything to add. I, it, it's, you know, like Jillian said, like we all have very similar challenges. And I think you're going to see that everywhere. It's like the, they're all mm -hmm. going it, to, how everybody adapts differently to those challenges um, that you're going to see mentoring. I think there's going to be some changes in mentoring in the next and how people view that term because um, I, I think sometimes it gets watered down a little bit and I think for, for Big Brothers and, and with Boys and Girls Club as well, we have to stand strong that we provide the best quality in, in all of those regardless of what platform it is. Just being mindful of, of that is really important. Mm -hmm. Great. And Vanessa? No, I think everything was covered. Thank you. Great. Um, so I'm just going to open it up. Um, if you have want to either ask a question out loud for the attendees or type it into the chat box, anything that we've missed or that you have questions about while we still have some time. And I'm, I'm just going to give a few minutes just for anybody to speak up. doesn't seem like we've got anybody typing that I can see. Um, maybe Andy, can you unmute people just to make sure that's that they can ask the question in case they're on the phone and or hello. Hello. Hi, I just had a quick question. Someone had brought up about the TELUS 999 plans for families for Wi-Fi access. Um, how about when we get our families connected to that? I have I have a few that have been struggling with that and, and just talking on our mentors and mentees trying to talk on the phone has been really difficult, so. Mm -hmm. 
Carrie, was that you that was talking about the TELUS? It was, it was. I believe that TELUS has this for low income families. Okay. I would have to go back through my notes to figure out. Um, so I'm happy if someone wants to send me an email directly at uh, carrie.woodland at bgcbigs.ca. I'm happy to ensure that I can provide you with the exact information. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I seem to remember seeing something come up um, when things were first starting to really go into lockdown um, about families being able to access that. So. Any other questions? Okay, well, I know this means it will end a little bit early, but that's okay. I'd, ending early is no, found time is never a bad thing. Um, I wanted to thank you again to Jillian, Carrie, Jen, and Vanessa for joining us, for giving their time to be able to talk about this and share what's happening in their areas and what they're doing and, and to be able to provide that just so that people can hear what, what else might be happening and to give that connection if needed. Uh, so thank you again, folks, for, for joining us. Our next town hall that will be on Monday, June 1st, is going to be around recruiting, screening, and training, uh, looking at exploring the possibilities on how you may be able to continue recruiting, screening, and training potential mentors. Um, we've heard that people are already beginning this, so I think it'll be good to hear what various places are doing and some of the things around safety and and things like that and then i know our our last one that we have scheduled is later in june around um how do we how do you do new matches and that kind of thing so um please if you haven't already please join us for that next one on june 1st uh rochelle will be back moderating that one and i will be moderating the last one uh, again, if there's no other questions, uh, we're going to say goodbye. Thanks again, folks, for, for participating and coming to join us and listen in. Uh, we always appreciate um, people coming along and, and giving us their feedback. If there is anything else that people have a burning desire, any other questions, you can always email Andrew or myself or Rochelle. Um, or if there's another topic that you think would be timely for us to host another town hall on, please let us know. And we can then look at, at scheduling something. And so if there's no other questions, I'm going to let everybody say their goodbyes and then have a great rest of your week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.